like respectful and recognizing who he is in his place. Exactly. Uh, in the Army, uh, one of our, our leadership, uh, the acronym leadership, one of the letters is H for honor. Hmm. Giving people the respect that they're due. And uh, Robert Zacharias, uh, the quote from him was, that when we find a person is immoral, they are first irreverent towards God. Irreverence always precedes immorality, according to Robert Zacharias. So we find here with Solomon, first he stands, by uh, verse, uh, verse 12. First he stands, he stands in the presence of the congregation. Then he spreads forth his arms. He gets everybody's attention, and as king, he's gathering everybody into what's about to happen. Then, once he's got everybody's attention, he falls to his knees, and he speaks. And the thing that, I, that, the thing that hit my mind as soon as he spoke was a skit from Monty Python. Uh, there was a, a, there was a the, this, this church service, it was old, back in medieval times, I believe. And the people, oh God, thou art big, very, very big. You're so big, and you're you're good. You do good things, and it basically was everything that you hear in many of the prayers that you hear uh, that we hear growing up and everything, but with all of the reverence taken out. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, "How great thou art, thou." Say uh, your your footstool is your oh you are big you know he's using words that were that meant the same thing mm -hmm. without the reverence mm -hmm. and to hear and, and and they were doing that on purpose and to hear that skit it made the the verse that says sounding brass mm -hmm. and tinkling cymbals yeah. When we praise and when we pray and our spirit is not right with God, our life is not right with God, our heart is not right with God, we're saying all the right words, mm -hmm. but minus the reverence, we see how something different can follow. And starting here in verse, well, before verse uh, 12, before chapter 6, way back when he was born, he was showing, when he, when he was given a choice, what do you want for God from me? God speaking to Solomon. Given the choice, Solomon sought something that could be used to help God's people and bring God glory. So from, from the beginning of his life all the way to this point, he has been showing reverence. And when he speaks here, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like thee in the heavens or in the earth. He wasn't saying, O God, thou art big. You're the only one that looks like you. I think that this it was full of reverence. God could hear Solomon's prayer. Now, when I make that statement that God could hear Solomon's prayer, do you believe me or do you not believe me? You believe that God heard Solomon's prayer? Yes. How do you know God heard Solomon's prayer? Based Obviously. on what you see in the in the scripture. After Solomon finished praying, God's spirit came right in. What was the, but what was the evidence that God's spirit came in? Mm -hmm. um, 
The lightning yeah. on the altar. Now, in the one that's from the Unseen message, the right? The message translation says that the lightning, the lightning fell from the sky. The lightning hit the altar. The uh, King James Version said the fire came down from heaven. We can reconcile that easily because you, you can imagine people seeing fire back, uh, lightning, calling it that, especially when you see the result of the lightning. Right. When you're out in the desert or you're in the woods or you're somewhere where lightning strikes something, usually, even in the modern day, you're going to see sparks. You're going to at least see sparks and you're probably going to see fire. Right. So we can reconcile the two of those there. So Solomon, he kneels, he opens his mouth, he praises God. Now the part where I was saying that he, he prayed, yeah, that was the next 20-something verses. Mm -hmm. Okay, it wasn't just like he said, uh, God is great and God is good. Let's sing a folks food by the time. You know, give us Lord daily bread. Amen. Even with the choral version that we used to do as, as kids, it wasn't that. So Solomon goes, he prays, and the answer is... God in chapter 7. So in chapter 6, we see that God, that Solomon is praying. In chapter 7, verses uh, 1 through 10, we see the result, the result of that prayer. That result is the presence of God in the house of God. So what happened then? Solomon prays, 20-something verses of prayer, not to be irreverent, but just to move it along. We get through uh, chapter 6. That's all chapter 6 mostly, that prayer. Chapter 7, where um, we see the presence of God coming into the temple, the evidence of God's presence with the with the fire from heaven or the lightning, as some, some would say. The Bible says in chapter 7, around the first verse, that the presence of the Lord filled the house. The priest couldn't even come into the house because the, the presence of God was so thick. His glory was so thick. So God's presence is the response to Solomon's prayer. What's the people's response to God's presence? They praise the Lord. How did they praise him? Um, Around verse 4 and following. Well, it says, and when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down to the ground, they worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And they started doing sacrifices to King, and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. Twenty and two thousand oxen and a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. And uh, all the people dedicated the house to like sacrifices and worship. So we got sacrifices galore. Yeah. We've got worshiping galore. We talked last week about it like a grand opening. Mm -hmm. Imagine a grand opening. And it, that was just the kickoff. Yeah. When they dedicated the Ark of the Covenant last week, we thought it was amazing. This was like the height of all that we've seen so far. And then once we come into this week's lessons in chapter 6, it just kicked up another level. It's just, as, as far as you could imagine, you could go. Everybody just wowed and amazed. Look at this temple that they spent seven years building Solomon's temple. 
Seven years. They got all people from all around different countries. You got the aliens that are inside the country. Everybody contributing. And at the end of that, they finally install the ark into the, the, the Holy of Holies. Oh my goodness. And then chapter 5 ends. Chapter 6 begins. Solomon prays and asks God. What does Solomon ask God for? In chapter 6, before we move on, on into God's presence and his response and the people's response and all that because we already started. But what did Solomon pray for in chapter 6? What was his concern? I mean, mostly, what do you think? What would you pray for if you were at the grand opening of the house of God? Praying for the people. Praying for the people. people. That he that God would hear their prayers and that um that there would be reverence in the temple. There's something about the temple setup that causes you to check yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to being at your house. You know, some people can well Obviously, some people can reverence God wherever they are, but to the common man, they, they look at the temple as something um, more grand, and they look at it uh, is not like your house. And they, when they go in, they already are in a, a state of mind of worship. But there's a tendency that people have to forget who God is, mm-hmm. as we see years and years, um, their history. And they they at this point would know about God opening up the earth and swallowing people up in it. They That's part of their history. So he's standing as a good king between God and the people and pleading on their behalf before disaster strikes. If this should be the case, I pray to God you hear them. When they pray, when they come into this place, because of what it takes for them to come here, let their prayers be heard and we pray that you answer them in a, in a way that's fitting. And that's pretty much in everything that he asks. Exactly. Everything yeah. that he's asking. At first, he's, at first, Solomon is asking God to see this place. See this house that you built for us. See it. Verse uh, 17, Now then, O Lord, let thy words be verified, which thou hast spoken unto thy servant, servant David. First of all, he's asking him to let his own words be made manifest. Let your words be true so that we can see it. And then he goes through after that. Every, verse 20, That thine eyes may be open upon this house, day and night, upon the place where thou hast said that thou would put thy name there to hearken unto the prayer of thy servant, uh, which thy servant prayeth towards this place. And then from there he goes on, if a man sin against his neighbor, judge thy servant. This is uh, back in verse uh, 22 and uh, 23. Judge, he's praying for judgment from God. If your people be put for the worse before their enemies because they've sinned against them, but against you, let him turn and confess. Then he says in verse 25, Hear from heaven, forgive the sin of thy people, 
and bring them back to the land. You go down a couple of verses. Uh, if you even if you shut up heaven, you know if you make it not rain that because the people have sinned against you, once they turn back towards you, hear from heaven, forgive thy servants, and send rain upon the land. What's the order that, or do you see an order to what what Solomon is asking for? If this happens, let this happen. If there be sin, what has has to happen if there's sin? What does is, what is Solomon ask God to do if there is sin? If there is sin, what does God want? What does God, what does Solomon pray that God do if there is sin? Show mercy. Show mercy, okay. Is there a condition to the mercy? Does Solomon ask for, or does he set it up? So that there's a, a condition. You notice that. Yes. Yes. Solomon could have said, if a man sins against, against his neighbor, forgive him. No. Solomon says that if a man sins against an, a neighbor, and then an oath be laid upon him to make him swear, and the oath come from the altar... Then hear him and judge him. Hear your servants if they're wicked, judge your servants. But then, when it goes further, if you put your people before their enemies because of their sins, does he say, forgive them? No, he doesn't. He says, if the bad thing occurs and your people turn back towards you, then hear them. And forgive them. It's like the seek my face and then That's actually exactly what it is. That's what it is. exact <laughs> words in chapter seven, chapter seven, the next chapter. As Solomon is setting up, he's setting up chapter seven in chapter six. In chapter six, he's saying, um, he's saying if if the bad thing happens because of what we've done wrong, once we get right with you. Hear us and forgive us. This is Solomon's prayer. He's not asking for handouts. He's asking God, if if we mess up in our covenant and then we do our part to come back to you, please hear us. Please forgive us and let us make it right. And it goes for the rest of the chapter, naming all these things that could happen, all these uh, these punishments that God could visit on Israel for doing wrong. And the prayer is not just forgive us for doing wrong. It's see us where we are. And if we come back to you, it's that if, if we come back to you, then restore the relationship.